primero que nada, este, pues yo me bauticé porque pues es un, es un mandato de Dios que, que Él pide que nos bauticemos en su nombre. Pues antes de que yo me bautizara, yo tenía muchos problemas en mi vida, eh, en mi casa y en mi familia, en mis hijos. Después de que me bauticé, como Dios me lo dijo en ese sueño, que mi vida iba a cambiar. Y su misericordia ha alcanzado a mis hijos en México, los ha transformado, no como yo quisiera, pero, pero los ha tocado, los ha alcanzado. Y aquí, pues a mi esposa y, y a mi niño también, que no sabía nada de él. No, es, no he dejado de hacer cosas que a mí me agraden, que que me pida que deje, sino que él está trabajando en mi vida y él mismo lo está haciendo, él mismo está sacando todo lo malo de mi vida, o sea, todo, todo lo mal que yo tenía antes, él, él, él está limpiando mi espíritu, mi, mi vida la está, está trabajando en ella. Me ha pedido, eh, me ha pedido varias cosas que, que yo sé que están mal, pero pero él más me ha pedido que, que no pierda mi fe y la confianza en él. Que siga adelante, que, que en las consecuencias que yo, o problemas que yo siga cayendo, él me va a levantar y él, él, me, va, él me sigue ayudando. He tenido muchas confrontaciones. Eh, muchas veces eh, yo llegaba a pensar que, o llegué a pensar que las cosas de antes o los problemas de antes que tenía no podía solucionarlas porque era yo solo, yo era mismo, yo tenía que, que hacerlo. Pero ahora pues siguen problemas, siguen circunstancias, sigo pasando por el desierto, pero ya no, yo sé que, que no estoy solo, que Él va conmigo. Uno de los anhelos de mi corazón es de que mi esposa siga los pasos que, que, yo, que yo voy caminando porque pues es algo que ella a veces se, se pierde, que son cosas que se está perdiendo de la vida, de, de estar en la vida con Jesús y que yo he venido orando y he venido pidiendo por ella y lo sigo haciendo. Y Dios no me ha contestado como yo quiero o como yo quisiera, pero lo está haciendo porque Él, 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 él tiene su tiempo para ella. Y el primer paso que ha dado pues, es entregarle su corazón a Cristo. Pues, pues es, algo que, es algo que yo he venido orando también porque a mí Dios me ha dado mucho, mucho desde que yo empecé a... A, a seguir a Cristo, a, a Dios. Él me ha bendecido con cosas que yo ni siquiera me, me, me imaginaba. Y, y yo quiero agradarlo de esa manera, servirle a Él, recompensarle un poco de lo que Él me da, aunque yo sé que nunca lo voy a hacer porque es mucho lo que Él me ha dado para lo poco que yo estoy haciendo. Pero yo he venido orando y, y yo quiero ser, en, dentro de mis oraciones, yo, yo, yo le he pedido que quiero ser un, 
un siervo suyo, un sirviente de él, que por medio de mí transforme a, a gente como yo, como él me ha transformado a mí. Amén. beautiful story of our friend Joaquin, who's a part of our church here, uh, a story about what God is doing in his life. Uh, Joaquin was uh, baptized, uh, actually gave his life to Jesus in 2019, I think around April, and then later that May, uh, he participated in our 2019 version of our baptism bash. And uh, today's video was just a little bit of an update of things that have happened in his life, and, and you've heard a little bit, and I'm going to add in some of the details uh, of what's been happening in our friend's life. And uh, speaking of baptism, the 2022 version of our baptism bash is next Sunday. And so uh, if you're here today and uh, you have not yet made an outward uh, profession of, the, of your faith in Jesus, we would love for you to participate in our baptism bath. There's a, a code up there on the screen. You can see it's okay right now to have your phone out in church. If you want to make that decision, pull that QR code up, uh, put in some details. We will get in contact with you and give you some information about that because we're going to have an awesome time worshiping Jesus through people publicly declaring Uh, their commitments to Jesus. We're going to do that on uh, next Sunday. Now, uh, in a Joaquin story, you see, you probably uh, picked up there that he is in a journey. He is experiencing a work of transformation uh, in uh, his life. And uh, that transformation that you see, maybe you heard a little bit of it. I'm going to give some more details here shortly. But uh, that work of transformation actually started even before Uh, he uh, got baptized. You see, uh, God was working in our friend's life. And uh, he, uh, as he said, couldn't uh, make a transformation himself. He couldn't get over some of the challenges himself, but he started experiencing God's power in his life. And so we're really excited about that. We're really encouraged that God began to do because what was happening inside of him the work of internal transformation that God was doing, we begin seeing it uh, externally uh, in his life. Uh, he gave his life to Jesus. He publicly declared that in baptism. At some point, his wife uh, committed her life to Jesus. They are a part of life group and faithfully a part of our Spanish ministry with uh, Pastor uh, Marcial and Veronica serving in that ministry. Uh, he became a witness at his work, actually inviting some of his co-workers to church with him. Uh, recently, two of his co-workers gave their lives to Jesus. Now you think, wow, that's some, a lot of things happening in the life of a person who is in journey. How, how could that happen? I mean, he's in journey himself, and uh, this fruit is being produced in his life. But there's one word that describes that, and that is grace. Simply put, the way I like to define it is this grace, the grace of God is power from God that we don't have in and of ourselves to do what we can't do in and of ourselves. Joaquin said in the video, he said he, he could not transform, he couldn't make things happen, but the grace of God gave him power that he did not have in and of himself to do what he could not do in and of himself. And that is an encouragement to each of us. Because I believe that uh, all of us want to experience transformation. 
All of us need more of the grace of God. All of us want to grow in our own personal relationships with Jesus. All of us want to see our relationships in our lives change. All of us want to uh, experience the purpose and the plan and be on mission with God. And that happens uh, through the grace of God. You see, God initiates grace towards us. We, we can't transform ourselves, but, but he initiates grace to us. He could actually do the transformation himself, but because he loves us, he always consistently invites us to be a part of that transformation process. So he initiates grace towards us, and he invites us to be a part, and the way we get to be a part is we just simply respond to what he's doing. God, you can see through the video, God was working in our brother Joaquin's life. God initiated grace toward him. And then Joaquin responds to him and is responding to him, and we're seeing transformation and fruit being produced uh, in his life. And that same opportunity is available to all of us. So once again, if you're here, uh, and you have not been baptized because baptism is one of those responses. There are many responses. We're going to talk about the various responses that we can have, but one of those responses uh, is baptism. We publicly declare what God is doing inside. And if you're here today, I'm put, if you would put the, uh, the, the QR code back up there again, if you're here today, there's an invitation for you. God is working internally in your life. God is initiating with you, even as you're listening to this message right now, you're being extended an invitation. God says, I'm doing an inward work, but I want you now to publicly declare that. And if you're here, we want to extend that invitation. We invite you to respond to that. But now there's some other people here. Uh, 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 Joaquin, uh, first, his first step was he gave his life to Jesus. And then he followed that step of giving his life to Jesus by publicly declaring that to the world. And so there's some of you here, you haven't made that first step yet. You have not surrendered your life to Jesus. And so you're being extended an invitation as well. Whether you're here in the audience or if you're watching by stream, if you have not given your life to Jesus, if you have not made that first step toward God, you're being extended an invitation today. And if you're here physically, I just want to say thank you for being here. If you have not committed your life to Jesus and you're willing to come and physically sit in the presence of a whole group of people who've done that, there's risk involved in that. Thank you for doing that. You're in the right place. God is saying, I'm doing a work of grace. And the very fact that you're sitting here, that's proof. That's evidence there is a work of grace. God is doing something beyond yourself. That's why you're here. And so you're being extended an invitation as well. But there's one more invitation. Now, many of us in the room, maybe most of us in here, maybe many of you watching by stream, you've already given your life to Jesus. You've made that decision. You've, you've understood the word of grace. You've responded publicly, declaring it to the world that I've made a commitment to Jesus. But there's something for you today. Just like God is doing a work of transformation in Joaquin's life, that's not exclusive to him. God's doing a work of transformation in all of our lives. He's extending grace toward each and every one of us. He's saying, yes, you have given your life to me. Yes, you are in the family of God. Yes, you get eternal salvation. Hallelujah. But he's saying, there is more. I want to do more transforming work in your life. I want to pour out more grace in your heart. I want to give you more freedom in your life. I want you to experience more breakthrough in your relationships. I want you to have more blessings you can experience. And so you're being extended an invitation as well. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give that gentle little push, that gentle little nudge, that soft little prompting. Hey, I'm trying to extend grace into this area of your life. I want you to respond to me in this place. And as you hear those promptings today, your invitation is also to respond. So everybody here has something you can get out of today's message. Recognize, your goal is to recognize where is God initiating grace in your life? Is it to surrender your life to Jesus? Is it the publicly declaring baptism? Is it some area of relationship? Where is God initiating the work of grace for you today? And your opportunity, your invitation is to respond to that. Now, like we've been saying all morning already so far, we can't transform ourselves, okay? And so it's really our heart posture is just to respond to what God is doing. So I want to give us a little prayer that we're going to pray together as a way of a faith declaration. I'm not going to try to transform myself. I'm going to respond to the grace of God. I want you to posture your heart because it's something that's happening inward that we want to see declared outward. So I want you to posture your heart. Now we're going to pray this simple little prayer. I'm going to just read this prayer to you so you can hear it and you can see it. And if you agree with it, then we're going to pray it all together, okay? So our simple prayer is this. Thank you, Jesus, for initiating grace to transform me. Thank you, Jesus, for grace to respond to your invitation. And so if you want to respond to God's invitation in your life today, let's say this prayer all together. Thank you, Jesus, for initiating grace to transform me. Thank you for the grace to respond to your invitation. Amen. Now, it's, it's great sounding. God wants to give you grace. God wants you to have transformation. God wants to bless you. That, that sounds great. Everybody likes that. But it's a whole lot easier for me to say it than for each one of us to experience it. It's kind of like when, when people say stuff like, just let go and let God. Be and don't do. All the linear thinkers, all the structured people in the audience like me think, that stuff makes no sense. What do you mean just simply respond to the grace of God? What, what does that look like? Okay, I, I have to have it practical too. So, so today's message, we're going to kind of take a passage of Scripture and we're going to break it down so you can see practically what it looks like to respond to God's grace. So today we're going to study Matthew chapter 3, the whole chapter. We're going to skip around, and this is a story about baptism. You're going to see three different people get an invitation to baptism, and all three respond in different ways that are going to help us know how we respond to the grace of God. So let's start first uh, with Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read just the first three verses to start out. It says here, now in the days of John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John, and in this portion of the passage, he's calling the people of Israel to repentance. And the reason that is happening is, just like with us, God has been initiating a work of grace toward his people. God has been trying to bring transformation to the people of Israel. However, they have not been responding to him. Matter of fact, they have been resisting him. And so therefore, John comes on the scene and calls them to repentance. Now, uh, they're not responding to God because they've been responding to somebody else. And that somebody else is Rome. You see, hundreds of years prior to John the Baptist, Rome uh, invaded Israel. 
And in a sense, they did what we probably would refer to today as they, they annexed them. They, they took over their nation and made them a vassal nation to them. And so for hundreds of years, they uh, had to pay allegiance to the Roman government. They faced taxation to the point where the common man was taxed into abject poverty. And not only that, then they were subjected to Greek culture, which compromised and subverted their Jewish culture, everything they knew. So they faced political oppression. They faced cultural oppression. In their response to that, they chose not necessarily to respond to God, but they kept trying to respond to Rome, and that left them in spiritual bondage. And so Paul, I mean, uh, uh, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he calls them to repentance. Now, I want us to skip for just a second to Luke chapter 3 because it tells this exact same story, but it kind of goes into more detail about how Israel uh, resisted God's grace invitation to them. Okay, so I'm going to skip over to Luke here just for a second, and we're going to come back to Matthew. But Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, gives a little detail uh, here that we don't see in Matthew. It says in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, and the crowds were questioning him. John had just done the same thing. He came on the scene. He said, repent. Okay, and then here here we pick up. People are are responding now. It says, and the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you have been ordered to. And some soldiers, even some of the Romans, began to respond to this work of grace. It's amazing. He says, don't take from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. See, basically, he's showing sharing and giving and caring and honoring. Those were hallmarks of the Jewish nation. Those were every Jew grew up knowing to be honest and to share and to be faithful and to love, but they had kind of started transitioning to the way of the Romans. They had become selfish and stealing from one another, and the Romans dominated them, so they started looking for ways to dominate people themselves. Instead of responding to God in their trials, they began to respond to the Rome, the culture around them. That's helpful. That's a teaching point for all of us. Because all of us have all kinds of circumstances around us. We have cultural influences. We have relational influences. We have negative circumstances. Things in life don't work out the way we thought they were. And we can respond to those things. And if we do that, we end up in spiritual bondage. Or when life does not turn out the way we thought, when life is different from the way we planned, when cultural and social and relational influences are painful for us, we have an invitation We can actually see that as negative circumstances, or we can say, hey, this could be a work of grace in my life. This could be an invitation from God, and this is an opportunity for me to respond to him instead of them, everything that's around us. Okay, so here's our story. Let's go back to our passage now. So God's extending this invitation. I want to do a work of grace in your life. I want to bring transformation, and I need you to respond. You don't have to transform yourself. Just respond to the work that I'm doing. So let's go back and look at what these responses look like. Back again, Matthew chapter 3. Let's go to verse 7 through 10. We're going to kind of skip around. It says, but when he saw, he's barely, John is talking here to some religious leaders. In Luke 3, he's talking to everybody. In this specific one, he's talking to religious leaders. He says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, 
He said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The ax is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This morning, we're trying to recognize where is God trying to initiate grace in my life? Where is my response to the work of grace in my life? This few verses here gives us uh, one indicator, one thing I want us to think about, and that is don't get stuck in self-transformation. Would you repeat that with me? Don't get stuck in self-transformation. Okay, so you heard me earlier. I extended some invitations. Give your life to Jesus today. Choose to be baptized today. Respond to God's work of grace in your life today. But a lot of times we think and sometimes we say things like, yeah, that, I want to do that, but I'm, I'm not ready yet. Yes, I know you're right. I, I know I'm supposed to do these things, but, but let, let me get things together first. Or sometimes you're thinking, well, yeah, no, but oh, goodness, I, uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Everything's not falling apart. I'm, I'm a, do, do I really need that? Do I have to do it today? Those types of thought, that type of thinking, that type of action, what that actually is, instead of responding to grace, you are rejecting grace. You are trying to transform yourself because you can never get ready. You can never get your act together. You will never be good enough. You need the grace of God and you need to respond to it. You can never do it for yourself. That's why John calls them out. He says these religious leaders, in Luke, he's talking to the common person. He called them vipers he said, because they're trying to be self-transformers. And all of us can easily fall into that trap of trying to transform ourselves. So how do we get out of that trap? How do we, maybe you're here today and, and you're stuck. Instead of experiencing transformation, you, you feel like you're at the same place now that you were a year ago, or you've been trying to see something happen in your life, and you're still at the same place. You, you are stuck today. Your relationships are the same. They're not growing. You are stuck today. You want to hear the voice of God, and you're not feeling like you're able to do that. You're stuck. So if you want to get unstuck, what does that look like? We'll look back at the passage where it says that first, if you want to get unstuck, you got to do a reality check. I mean, John was pretty tough, man. He called him a brood of vipers. Talk about it being encouraging. I mean, like, okay. But what he did, he just called him to reality. He just called it what it was. If you're stuck today, you got to just basically acknowledge it. You got to call it what it is. You got to say, Patrick, I'm stuck. I like what Austin did earlier said. If you need grace, raise your hand. Just let everybody see. Don't try to hide it. Just admit, call it for what it be real. That's what he did here. And then he said, followed up, he said, but then show fruits to repentance. And what that means is if you're stuck today, you need to take action. You, you do need to do something. I'm, I'm hesitant as a preacher to tell people to do things because we often get accused of being legalistic or trying to heap works on people. And so as a pastor, as a preacher, I'm sensitive to not wanting people to feel like I'm giving them a list of do's and don'ts and rules they got to follow. But let me explain that to you. Doing things for God is not legalism when you're responding to him. It's only legalism. It's only dead works when you're responding to man. When you respond to your circumstances and you try to take care of yourself, that's legalism. That's dead works. But when God's initiating, 
That is simply an invitation. That's an opportunity to respond to grace. And then you see the results of it is you produce fruit. Okay, so he says, take action. Don't just talk about transformation. You got to take action. When the altar calls later, maybe sometimes you're going to have to take action. Maybe you may need to walk down the aisle. There's not nothing magical about walking down the aisle. You could literally, God could do it in your heart up in the seat, or you can stay where you're seated. But there's something about taking action that gets you unstuck. It's a response to the grace of God. And then lastly, he says, focus. He said, they, they're looking back at Abraham. They're thinking that they're justified in what they're doing because their great ancestor, Abraham, he was a righteous man. He was a powerful man. He was faithful to God. But you know what? He says, Abraham walked earth hundreds of years ago. He is not helping you now. You need to respond to my grace today. So your parents' faith or your church's faith or your preacher's faith or even faith you had a year ago is not what's needed for today. You need to respond to God's work of grace right now. That's how we get unstuck, right? Let's move on. Verses uh, 4 to 6. We gonna, I, I told you I was going to skip around. Let's go backwards. Go back to verses 4 through 6. We're talking about this one group of people, they actually refused baptism because they thought they could transform themselves. That was one group of people, okay? But let's look at another group here. It says now in verse 4, Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the districts around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sin. So we got the religious leaders. This is how they respond. But now you got the common people here. The everyday folks of Jerusalem and Judea, they're going to him. And so they are responding as well. So if you, again, you look at how do I respond to the grace of God for my life today? How do I experience transformation in my situation? Well, we got another clue here. The second clue is give your heart as well as your mind to transformation. Let's all say that together. Give your heart as well as your mind to transformation. Now, what do I mean by that? Again, I've been keep saying that this, this, this transformation is a work of grace. It's something inward that then we see outward. Okay? So uh, it can't happen just in your mind. It can't be just we think about it. It can't be that we just memorize verses. It's got to get from here to here. That's what we're talking about. How do I get what I know? I know I need God's grace. I know I can't transform myself. I know I shouldn't try to do it myself. I know I need to respond, but it's up here many times. How do we get it to here? Well, this passage gives some clues to it. First, it says, look at what they did. One of the things you do to make that transformation from here to here is you move to a new place. If you see in the story, it says they went from Jerusalem to Judea out to the wilderness. That's pretty strange. I mean, they lived in the cities and they lived in the villages of Jerusalem and Judea, and they left that and went out to the wilderness. So they left the comfort of their cities to go out to a wild, untamed place. They uh, left uh, what they know and what they uh, have always known to go to something that was very uncertain. They left the safety of their homes, they left the safety of their communities, they left the safety of their friends and family to go out and talk to a wild man. They made a move. If you want to get unstuck, if you want to experience grace, if you want to get it from your head to your heart, you got to make a move. Now, it's not necessarily a physical location move. It's, it's all kinds. It could be a physical location move. 
Could be a move in your attitude, could be a move away from a relationship, could be a move toward a relationship, could be choosing to serve. It could be a whole lot of ways, but I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you. I believe a bunch of y'all right now, you're getting invitations where you can move. You know what that is. I don't have to define it. The Holy Spirit is inviting you. Move here. Move there. Because when you move, you get an opportunity for what's in your mind to move to your heart. Another thing you can do is listen to somebody. John the Baptist um, was the first prophet in 400 years. Israel had lots of great prophets in their ancient history. Back in the Old Testament period, they had Elijah and they had Isaiah and Moses was one of their great prophets. Moses' sister Miriam was a great prophet. There was a woman named Holder in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles who was a great prophet. They had all these great prophets who called them to transformation, who explained the grace of God, who challenged them to respond. But because they kept refusing to respond, they kept responding to Rome, they kept responding to their enemies, they kept responding to the circumstances, then God all of a sudden just went silent. For four centuries, no prophets, no challenges, no encouragement, no nothing, four centuries. And then John the Baptist comes, and he comes like a wild man, camel's hair in the wilderness, eating wild and they got to go out and listen to this. Many of you, when you're stuck, when you're stuck in your circumstances, when you're stuck in your brain and you can't get into the yard, you, really, you need to listen to somebody. You've been listening to yourself. You've been in your own echo chamber. You're around people who just reinforce what you already believe, reinforce what you already know. You need to listen to somebody. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's somebody in your community. Maybe that's the preacher. Maybe that's somebody that's challenged you. Maybe that's somebody you're not comfortable with. But if you want to get from here to here, you're going to have to listen to somebody other than yourself and other than your own echo chamber. We, we like to surround ourselves with people who say the same things and think the same thing we think. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes that's not good. Sometimes it just helps you stay stuck. Listen to somebody. And then also the passage simply tells you, if you want to get it from here to here, own your sin. It says they came to John, they were baptized, confessing their sins. And the operative thing there is they're confessing their sins. I got to confess my sins. I can't confess your sins because if I confess your sins, and we live in a culture right now where everybody can point out, everybody in here, if I share a show of hands, everybody in here has had somebody else point out their sins. Is that right? Everybody's had their sins pointed out. Everybody in here probably has been called out by somebody. And if you're honest, you probably too have called somebody out. You, you've confessed somebody's sins, but the problem with that is when I confess your sins, I have no power and authority. I only have power and authority when I confess my sin because he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, my grace is built in your weakness. So I don't have any strength when I say what's wrong with you. I only have strength when I humbly say what's wrong with me. But that's vulnerable. I don't want to stand up here. I'm supposed to be strong. I'm one of the pastors. When I have to be weak, that's when I get the power. And that's when you get it. Own your sin. Well, last thought, we have been given two opportunities here. One, God wants to part his grace, and that happens when we avoid getting stuck trying to do it ourselves. We can experience the grace of God uh, when we put our heart into it versus our minds taking these actions I've been talking about. And one last thought here. This is the last part of the passage. This is uh, 
Matthew 3, this is 13 through 17. It says, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said to him, permit it at this time. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. So we want to avoid getting stuck. We want to put our whole heart into it. And the reason why we can do that is this last thought here, this final thought about receiving God's grace for transformation in our lives is this. Jesus ensures our transformation. Could we say that all together? Jesus ensures our transformation. Now, uh, in this preparation for this message, and many, many times, anytime I do any read, any study on anything about this particular passage or anything like it, there's always one question that theologians talk about consistently. And I bet you know what that is. They always say, why did Jesus get baptized? Jesus didn't need any transformation. Jesus didn't have any sin to be called out. Jesus didn't have any issues going on. Like, what was Jesus getting baptized for? Well, simple. One, he was simply modeling to us how to respond to God to make sure we could do it. The simplest way I know how to say it is many of us, all of us uh, uh, that parents have kids, uh, is it easier to show your kids how to clean their room or to tell them to clean their room? We all know the answer to that. Can we show them how to do chores or do we tell them? Because I remember whenever my father would tell me to go do something, I would say, yes, sir. I grew up in a very strict home. Yes, sir. I would go to do it. But I would leave and I'd be like, I would have a funny feeling. I don't know how to do what you say. I heard what you said. I am willing to do it. I want to obey you. I want to please you. But I cannot put into practice what I just heard you say. And then I'd go from around. And then he would have to come over and do it. And then I would watch him. When we watch an authority do it or when we do it with them, now it's natural and easy for us to do. But we cannot do what we've been told to do. So Jesus makes it simple. I'm going to show you. I'm going to model it so that you know exactly what a response to God looks like. And then he also shows us, he gives us this beautiful encouragement. And then when you do what I just did, watch the results of that. Jesus responds to God. And when he responds to God, the passage says that the heavens were opened. When we respond to God, we have all of the resources of heaven. When this altar calls in just a few minutes, and if you make the decision to step outside of that aisle, you are not alone. When you make that step, heaven is coming with you. You have all of the resources of heaven, so that ensures that you can experience the transformation that God has for you. Jesus ensures it. But it also says this, it says that the heavens opened, but then it said that a dove came and lighted upon him. How is it that I'm going to be able to do these things? You're not going to do it yourself, but you're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. What we said before, the power that you don't have in and of yourself to do what you can't do in and of yourself, that comes through the Holy Spirit. 
And when we respond to him, it's not works. It's not legalism. It's spirit-filled living. That's what that is. You have the spirit of God helping you to live in the way he would have you. And then lastly, it says here, uh, the Holy Spirit comes, and then it says that a voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well be. I love this part of the story. And y'all probably heard me preach this before, and you're going to hear me preach this little portion again. When, Jesus, when God speaks that, it's a very interesting time in Jesus' life. When he says, I'm well pleased with him, do you realize Jesus had not started his ministry? God says, I'm pleased with him. He has not preached a single sermon. He has not uttered a word. He has not performed a miracle. He has not healed anybody. He has not fed groups of people. He has not preached to anyone. He has done nothing. And in response to him doing nothing, God says, I'm pleased with him. Hallelujah. Isn't that not liberation to us that we don't have to do something to get God's affirmation? We don't have to do something to have him love us. All we do when we respond to his grace, he gives us a greater revelation. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm happy with you. We see it. Joaquin said, I'm still struggling. I'm still doing things. But he says, but I'm learning to trust God. And when we trust somebody, we are willing to respond. When we trust somebody, we want to be close to them. When we trust somebody, we want to obey them. And that's what he wants you and I to have. He wants us to have a greater understanding of his love because then that's going to result in transformation. That's going to result in fruit being produced. That's what he wants to see in our lives. He wants us to respond to him and not respond to them or circumstances around us. Uh, years ago, um, uh, Tanya and I, mainly Tanya, homeschooled our, our kids. She did, the, she did a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, but around middle schoolish, most all of them eventually transferred to public school to play sports and do different things like that. And our daughter Faith, our fourth child, I think it was seventh grade, she went to school, uh, and the initial didn't go so great. I mean, she started experiencing some bullying. A couple of girls, a little group of girls, but primarily two girls that led this other group of girls. I guess did not take a liking her. They weren't pleased with her for some reason. And so school got kind of difficult for her. It got challenging. And not only was she having trouble, her, her younger sister and her older sister also were experiencing various challenges in their life. And so my wonderful wife, Tanya, faithful woman of God, she helped us not respond to the bullies or not respond to the circumstances going on. What she did, she said, hey, girls, how about let's get up early. I'm talking about like 6 a.m. early to do extra prayer and Bible study. Now, 6 a.m. prayer for an adult would be commendable. <laughs> but we're talking about some middle schoolers, you know. Uh, but they reluctantly, whether wanting to please their mom or wanting to respond to God for whatever reason, my wife can be very persistent. They, 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 they said yes. <laughs> and they're getting up early, 6 a.m., reading the Word, praying through this thing. And then in the middle of that time, Faith says, you know, that girl came up to me and gave me a letter. And in the letter was an apology for treating her that way. And her and those girls actually became friends. So we can see what can happen when we respond to the person or we respond to God. He brings transformation, not just in our life, but around us. The transformation of God can happen. 
God wants to bring his grace into your life today. God wants to bring transformation to your life today. And he wants to help us not get stuck trying to transform ourselves. He don't need you to do that. He doesn't want you to do that. It's not going to work. He wants your heart given to it. Not your mind, not your thoughts, not your words. He wants your heart engaged in it. And the reason you can do that is because Jesus has made the way for us. He has paved the way for us. He's made it easy for us. He has done the heavy lifting. So the invitation to us is just simply to respond. So let's stand together. So at the beginning of this message, I extended some invitations, and so now is the time of response. We could have our altar ministry team, if y'all would just come down and be prepared, be ready to pray. We gave an invitation. If you're here today and God has been doing this work of internal work, and if you're watching by stream, we're talking to you too. If, you're, if God's been doing this internal work, this personal decision, but now you're ready to make it public, this is your response time. It's take an action, step into the aisle and walk down to someone. It's not magical to walk the aisle, it's, but it's your action. It's your engagement of your heart. It's your saying, God, I'll respond to you. If you're saying, hey, I, I want to declare, I, I want to be in that baptism badge next week. I want what God has done in me to be publicly declared. You can come to one of these folks. You can go to our Connect Center after the service, but let somebody know jump in and participate take action on what's happening internally and declare it publicly maybe you're here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus you've never committed your heart to the Lord today is the day of salvation today is the day for you to respond come one of these people will be happy to pray with you if you came with someone turn to them and pray with them if you want to go to the connection or after the service communicate with someone I want to give my life to Jesus this is my response to his invitation I want to invite you to do that. And to all of us that are here, God has been doing a work of grace in your life. Even before you got here today, but certainly as you've heard this message, the Holy Spirit is prompting, the Holy Spirit is shoving or gently nudging. Respond to my grace in this relationship. Respond to my grace in this situation. Respond to my grace in these negative circumstances. And if that's you today, you can too come and receive prayer, receive encouragement receive the grace of God. The invitation is given. Now is the time to respond.